was a dream she had, where she found herself wandering through the woods at night, lost and alone. But to her horror, she realized she was not alone after all. A rustling in the underbrush stalked her every move, followed on her heels. With each glance over her shoulder, she would catch quick glimpses of dark figures darting behind a tree trunk or veering into the brush, ducking momentarily from her view. Twigs and thorns cut into her bare feet. The branches and brambles scratched at her face and her arms like grasping claws, trying to slow her escape. Fighting the rising panic that surged through her, she pushed on at a quick clip. Don't run, she told herself, certain that if she broke out into a sprint, the panic would overcome her, that her fear would trigger an attack from her pursuers, that she would likely trip over the exposed root of a tree or uneven ground. If she surrendered to fear and ran now, all would be lost. And just then, the trees thinned and parted, and she found herself in a clearing. The things that pursued her to this point stopped where the tree line ended. She knew instinctively this was a safe place, a sacred place. The trees encircled this clearing like silent guardians who, in their time-worn wisdom, knew better than to encroach upon this space. She wandered further into the clearing, a sense of wonder filling her now pushing out any remaining vestiges of fear. Above her, a radiant silver moon hung low and full in the night sky, its pale light filtering down to the clearing. Before her, a cluster of stone ruins jutted up from the ground like broken teeth, the jagged, scattered remains the only testament to whatever vast and ancient structure held this ground. The dreamer finds herself moving steadily now towards the stone ruins, drawing closer and closer. This is the kind of dream that leaves one with the sense that more occurred, but upon waking, the memories of the dream slip away like wisps of smoke. This is the kind of dream that means something, something important, but what? Ithaca, New York. Nestled in the southern valley on the banks of Cayuga Lake, home of Ithaca College and the visual splendor of countless gorges and waterfalls. This is the town the three girls had called home for the entirety of their 25 years. Three childhood friends, now in early adulthood, living together as roommates. Difficult as it may be to carve out a little quiet time within the apartment, whenever Robin Bradley found such an opportunity to study, she took advantage of it. Face down in her anatomy text, Robin prepped for her coming exam, completely unaware of the events that were about to occur and the horrors that waited to swallow her up. Are you studying? Huh? Oh, 
Yeah. My exam's next Friday. Why are there so many parts to memorize in the musculoskeletal system, Brianna? Can you tell me why? That's really weird. Well, I don't know if it's weird, but it's definitely annoying that we can't break apart the muscular system and the skeletal system and be tested on them separately. How do they expect us to memorize all this? No, I mean, it's weird as in I just had this major deja vu moment. Like this moment already happened in a dream or something. Oh. Yeah, it's always weird when something like that happens. Anyway, we don't have much of anything in the fridge, and I don't feel like cooking tonight. So, you good if we order out? Fine by me. Cool. I'm sure Christine will be down with that. Hey, Brianna, did you get a chance to go over to the rental office about the cats? Yeah, I mentioned it to them. You did? What'd they say? They said they'd look into it, um, see what their options are. You didn't talk to them about the cats. <sighs> they're not hurting anything, Robin. I'm just worried that if animal control comes out, they're going to take them and euthanize them. I can't live with that on my conscience. Cats are not our friends, Brianna. The only reason you're not afraid of them, too, is because they're small. If they were bigger, like other predatory cats, you wouldn't see them as pets. Yeah, I see what you're saying, Robin. But they're just house cats. Domesticated little house cats. They're feral. They live by the dumpsters. They won't bother you if you don't bother them. And how is it that you can always tell when I'm bending the truth? You mean when you lie? You should know better than to lie to me, Brianna. Detecting lies is like my superpower. I mean, that's why Mike got the boot, right? Hashtag <laughs> truth. Now, can I get back to studying, please? Ladies! Good, good, you're both here. Good timing, Christine. We were just talking about ordering out for dinner. You're going to want to hear this first. I've got scoop that you're not going to believe. Okay, so studying time is over for me unless I lock myself in my room. Forget that! This is like a 10 on the Richter scale. A 10? Hmm. Okay. Spill. What do you got? So you know that big house on the cliffs off Tahonic Boulevard? That creepy place? Isn't that like a mansion? Isn't it supposed to be haunted or something? Or something. This was all before we were born, but I remember my parents talking about it. The guy who owned it originally had two women living there with him. Like, younger, hotter women. Ooh, kinky. I'm sure. Rumor has it it was some kind of weird sex cult or something. And the things they were into, like devil worship, black magic, stuff like that, it didn't go over too well in town, as you can imagine. So a lot of people talked about it, avoided the place, and shunned the people who lived there. Now, I don't know what happened exactly, but those people are long gone. Didn't they die there? Or did someone die there? I think I heard that somewhere. Oh, I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me, given its history. Anyway, it's always been kind of an infamous place on the edge of town. This is all very interesting, but I'm not seeing where this is a tent. Patience is a virtue, Robin. I'm getting to my point. So, Camilla at work is assigned to that house. She said there's some guy who lives there now. Just him, all alone in that big place. He's got some kind of disability or something, so he has her come and clean every Friday morning. She's had that assignment for as long as I've been working there, and she'll mention it from time to time, how creepy it is there, even in the morning. Like, you can just tell some really bad things went down there. So anyway, I traded her two of my assigned houses for that mansion. Why? Why did you do that? I'll tell you why. 
And this is where the 10 comes in, ladies, so brace yourselves. You know Factories of Ruin? The band? Uh, yeah, we drove all the way to Madison Square Garden for their strangulation tour. Well, apparently, rumors of the stuff that went down at this mansion got their attention. They're renting the place from the owner for the next six weeks. They're moving in to write and record their new album there. Get out. Wait, what? Yeah, I guess the spooky vibe of the place is what they're looking for to inspire the new album. Christine, hold on. You're telling me that Factories of Ruin is moving into our town for the next month and a half, and you're going to be their cleaning woman? I told you this scoop was a 10. <gasps> you're going to be in the house with Everett Nicholas and the rest of the band? You're going to meet them in person? We all are. What do you mean? This is Factories of Ruin, ladies. They're going to be looking to party, and I'm going to bring the party right to them. Three young, attractive, fun ladies who are single? I mean, when has that happened that we've all been single at the same time? Not since junior year in high school when Craig Bowers dumped Robin right before prom. Thanks, Brianna, for bringing that memory up. Point is, I'm going to get in good with a famous rock band, and we're going to party with them. This is the chance of a lifetime. The mansion on the cliffs of Lake Cayuga is a place where the dreamer has never been. She has never set foot inside its walls, and yet here she finds herself beneath its vaulted ceilings, wandering the hallways, moving from one grand room to the next, in search of something. Just as they are in dreams, the details of things appear softer and blunted, like moving through a thin layer of clouds. The dreamer is aware that there are others in the house somewhere, but they are not who she seeks. The dreamer carries with her a message, an urgent warning that glows white-hot inside of her. Deliver the message. As she exits one of the rooms, returning now to the hallway, she startles, nearly bumping into a lone figure slinking through the darkness. In a state of momentary shock, the dreamer finds herself standing face to face with herself. How can this be, she muses, but in dreams, anything can be. The message now grows to the point of intensity where it can no longer be contained. Leaning in close to her duplicate self, the dreamer whispers her message, her urgent warning is delivered, and upon this, she awakens. Hey, man. Everett, we're ready. Dylan, have you been here long? Nah, man, just came down. Didn't want to interrupt your meditation, but we're plugged in and amped up in the back room. We're ready to lay it down on that untitled track. All right, cool. Uh, let me just put my tuning forks away. Didn't you tell me Gottschalk gave you those? That's right. Each fork in this set was specifically crafted, so the pure tone corresponds with one of the seven sacred vibrations. And it works, Dylan. It opens one to energies that would normally fall outside our range of human perception. <laughs> That's funny, man. Who would have guessed that that self-help talk show guru was really into the occult? You'd be surprised. Yeah, so this place is amazing. I can feel the vibe in here, and it's dark as shit. Can't wait to feel it through my guitar. Everything feels like it's got its own story. Like it's powerful. Like it's cursed. Oh, there's a lot to pick up here. A lot of residual energy all over this place from the things they did here. Thorne moved to Ithaca for a reason. He selected this very spot because there's a confluence of power here. And he knew what he was doing. 
He believed the shape of a structure could conduct subtle energies and amplify their power. This one guy he ran with in the occult circle was an architect who shared that belief. So, Thorne had him design this manor for just that purpose. No joke? You're saying this house was built to channel energy? Man, Thorne was the real deal. He was. He and his two priestesses. They did some real powerful stuff here. Yeah, I was just looking through his library a little earlier. His memoirs and mystical diaries are still up there. Man, they were into some kinky shit. And his priestesses? Oh, hell, man. That one with the tats all over? Back in the day, chicks didn't do that so much. That lady was hardcore. (laughs) The things I would have done with her. These weren't kids in Mama's basement with a Ouija board. They opened doorways. They spoke with things on the other side. And down here, in this basement... This is where they tapped into something really big and really dark. You can feel it if you allow yourself to be opened, like, really open. Oh, I felt it the moment I came down those steps, brother. Black magic. (laughs) I think they killed someone down here. Badass, man. Ritual sacrifice. Hey, maybe that's what we should name that track. Ritual sacrifice. I kind of dig the sound of that. Is that the doorbell? Who the hell could that be? Hello? Cleaning lady? Is anyone home? Shit. No worries. We can still record with her here. Yo, the cleaning chick's here. And she's a total beast. She's hot as hell. No need to sulk around the basement then. Let's go up and say hello. Brianna. One of the three roommates tends bar at the Breeze Bar in downtown Ithaca. Most nights find the bar packed with students from the college, loud and emanating the frenetic energy of directionless youth, looking to explore the limits of their alcohol tolerance, tumbling headlong into an adventure, and finding a hookup for the night. I swear, if one more guy tries to hit on me, I'm gonna punch him. What? I can barely hear the drink order, let alone hear myself think. How can you study here? I'm trying, but not very successfully. Bad idea of the day, agreeing to meet Christine here, rather than at home to prep for this exam. And now she's 20 minutes late. That girl will be late to her own funeral. Can't you just study while you're doing your old people visits? Old people visits? I have to help with meals, do laundry, light housekeeping. It's active work, Brianna. And even when it's not and there's downtime, I can't just ignore them. They want to talk. Being an in-home companion means, like, actually being a companion. Here she comes. Hey, sorry I'm late. IPA? Please. So what happened? How did it go? Did you meet them? Oh, let me tell you. I ring the doorbell. I use my keys to open the door. And no sooner than I step inside, who do I see coming towards me? Doug Hicks. The bass guitarist? Uh Uh-huh. And there's the drummer guy. What's his name? Keith Huff. Yeah, Keith. He runs off to get the others. And here comes Dylan Lynch and Everett Nicholas out of the basement to say hi. What? Everett's not wearing a shirt. And he's all tatted up with that mohawk of his. (gasps) What did you say? I don't know. I don't remember. You don't remember? Apparently I was so caught up in the fact that I was talking to him that I kind of blanked for a few seconds there, so. Anyway, next thing I know, they're offering me a beer. 
they invited me to sit with them while they recorded a brand new song. You're kidding me. You didn't get much actual cleaning done, did you? None! So how's the new song? It is sick. You're going to die when you hear it. And Everett sang it shirtless. <gasps> Wait, here's the best part. We really seemed to hit it off, and they invited me back in a non-cleaning woman kind of way. Christine, you're going to go hang out with them. This is really happening. We are going to hang out with them. I told them I have a couple of roommates, and they said to bring you over. Holy shit, Christine. Holy shit is right. This time tomorrow night, we'll be partying with rock stars. So get your sluttiest dresses, get your whore paint on, and start your engines. Nice. Very classy. The little access road off the main road was easy to miss, but Robin, Christine, and Brianna managed to find it on the second try. They drive slowly down the incline that slopes towards the cliffs overlooking Lake Cayuga. The mansion that Caleb Thorne had built sits well below the main road, hidden by trees, its splendor visible mostly from a vantage point along the massive Finger Lake below. They inch slowly up the long drive towards the house itself. Oh my god, look at this place. It is definitely a lot creepier at night. I can't believe we're actually doing this. I'm sweating from the palms of my hands. <laughs> They're totally cool, I'm telling you. Just relax and be yourself. We're here to have fun, that's all. Hi, Everett. Christine. Here we are. Um, these are my roommates, Robin and Brianna. Ladies, nice to meet you. Come on in, don't be strangers. Oh, wow. Look at the inside of this place. It's actually beautiful. It is. We were really lucky to find this place. Our manager reached out to the current owner. After the initial meeting and pleasantries and drinks, after the initial period of starstruck giddiness, the band members bring the girls out to the back deck where there are cigarettes and more stiff drinks to be had beneath night's shroud of stars. So, what's the scene here? Ithaca? It's kind of dead unless you're a tourist doing touristy things. Growing up here, it's just, it's different. When Christine told us that you guys were coming to town, that's pretty much the big news of the century. You can only do so much hiking, wineries, and waterfalls. Oh, and there's boating, if you're into that. There's the college, too, so, you know, there are bars and stuff. Brianna tends bar at one of them. Yeah, we're kind of dodging publicity while we're here, so bars are out. It's nice to have company, though. Yeah, three beautiful girls like yourselves. Who would have thought when the cleaning lady showed up, she was this young, hot, blonde girl? It sounds like the setup for a porno flick, right? Oh my god, I'm blushing. But go on. <laughs> 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 so, I have to ask, 
The story about the Albuquerque Hotel, did that really happen? 100% true. I knew it! Drinks, everyone. Take them before I spill them. Ooh, what's this? It's a cocktail I whipped up. You'll see. Better watch it, Everett. This one here's a bartender. Brianna, is it? Oh, man. I should have had you make some then. I'm sure it's not as good as whatever you make, so don't judge me. I won't judge. I promise. Beautiful country here. And look at that moon. When it hangs low and large like that, they call it a sinner's moon. You know why? Why? Because it's looking down on all the sins that are being committed under its watchful eye down here. But that's what the night is for, right? For letting go. Ladies and gentlemen, a toast to the sinner's moon. The The sinner's sinner's moon. moon. Just think, this glassware that we put our lips to is the very same glassware that Caleb Thorne and his priestesses drank from. That's why you chose this place, isn't it? Because it belonged to Thorne. That's right. What do you girls know about him? Well, that was before we were born, so not so much. Not much about the guy who lives here now, either. I overheard a few things once at the bar from some of the older customers. Wasn't he into black magic and rituals and stuff? He had kind of a cult going on here. That's pretty accurate. He lived here with his two female followers that he called his priestesses. They had a reputation for doing some really dark stuff. Claimed to be in contact with entities from the other side. They disappeared in 74 and were never heard from again. Eventually, they were illegally declared dead. What do you think happened to them? I think they opened the door to somewhere else. And I think they went through. Have you experienced anything, you know, like paranormal since you've been here? Not yet. But we only just got here. If there's something here, maybe we'll wake it up. How about you girls? You ever experienced anything supernatural? See ghosts or anything? Well, we did go through this phase in middle school where we borrowed Christine's brother's Ouija board. I swear, it spelled out some things that... It it just knew some things about us that no one else would know. Okay. So, full confession time. No, Christine! You didn't! I did. I was moving it the entire time. It was funny. Brianna just about peed herself. You bitch! (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. You know, I've never seen ghosts or anything like that, but I do get this weird sense of deja vu at times. It happened a lot when I was little and then kind of died off, but it's starting to happen again lately. I get that sometimes. It's like a time slip or something. Maybe. I don't know. It almost feels like I dreamed the moment in vivid detail before it actually happens. And then I forget about it until it happens in real life. And that makes it all come rushing back. And if I think about it too hard, I get this really eerie feeling like I'm not supposed to be thinking about it. (sighs) I'm getting goose pimples. I used to sleepwalk a little when I was young. And I remember having these recurring dreams that I was being chased by someone who wanted to murder me. Did they ever catch you? I don't think so. I think I'd always wake up right before it happened. (laughs) That's cool. Anybody want some? Is that blow? Mm Mm-hmm. A little uh, pick-me-up? Yeah, sure. I'm game. Ladies? Why not? 
Judging by that look, I take it you're not cool with this, Robin. I'm not your mom. You do what you want. But I'm out. I'll stick with the alcohol. That's cool. It's not for everybody. So, why don't we put some music on and take this party inside? Yeah, good idea. Maybe we'll stir up some demons. A lone, dark figure skulking around the grounds of Thorn Manor that night, peering in through the windows towards the orange glow of activity within. Would have seen alcohol and cocaine being freely used. Would have seen topless women dancing on the furniture for their rock star idols. This lurking figure would have seen the girls pair off with the members of the band and move to the bedrooms to consecrate that night with the communion of the flesh. Watching from the shadows, she would have felt the subtle sensation of the mansion waking up in response to these revelries, and she would have rejoiced at the horrors that were to follow. Sinner's Moon was produced by Frank Jocknowitz, Sean McKnight, and William Rizzo. Written, directed, and narrated by Frank Jocknowitz. Audio engineering, editing, and sound design provided by Sean McKnight. Musical supervisor, David Parsons. The title song, Sinner's Moon, was composed and performed by Elosin. This episode starred Katie Walsh as Robin, Eric Francis Melleragny as Everett, Beverly Gunn as Brianna, Shelby Hightower as Christine, Martin Carr as Dylan, Jason Nathaniel Overdorf as Doug, and Joe Paul as Keith. For full episode credits or to learn more about Sinner's Moon, visit the Sinner's Moon page on our website, frankhorror.com.